1: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of The Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today we're going to talk about uh, rental issues with uh, three guests who are with us in the studio. Uh, Randall Frickberg is the director and and attorney with Student Legal Services at Indiana University. Uh, Jennifer Prusak is Indiana Legal Services and Tenant Assistance Project attorney. And also Steve Bodie is here. He's the owner of Renaissance Rentals uh, in Bloomington. So if you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside the local area. You can join our live chat, wfiu.org slash or you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So, hello, everybody. thanks for being here Bob. Bob. Hi. hi hello hi. Well, this is a big topic in bloomington, big college town. A lot of people have uh, turned over a lot of rentals have turned over. We hear uh, you know stories all the time about
0: rentals. everybody who 's ever rented yeah. has a store
1: yeah you know, landlord, tenant issues and disputes and whatnot so we 'll We'll try to get to the bottom of, of some of those, but uh, so let's start out by uh, talking to Randy, Randy Frickberg, um, and Jennifer. You know, from your perspective about uh, you know the, this issue, and and maybe just offer a, a tip or two for people. Like like, what's the one thing you tell everybody when they come to you? Um, that they should do when they're going to rent uh, a new place. Okay. Wow. I'm happy to go first. Uh, I wanted to first
2: say that Steve actually, Steve and I were actually hoping to succeed the car talk guys and maybe just talk about <laughs> landlord-tenant issues every Saturday morning. <laughs>
1: um,
2: well, student Legal uh, Services <laughs> represents uh, everyone at IU who needs a lawyer, and by necessity about 35 to 40% of the work we do is landlord-tenant law because students come to college and live off campus and are not fully informed of the consequences for that if i had to give them one piece of advice which probably seems elementary to the three of us on this side of the table it's to read your lease and understand that it is a legally binding governing document everyone plans on excitement when they turn 21, but Indiana when you turn 18 regards you as a an adult capable of signing a legal contract. With rents having gone up as much as they have, uh, leases can cost you, you know, the equivalent of a Lexus. If you have a $3,000 a month apartment, that's going to get you up to $36,000, $40,000 if something goes wrong and you move out. Um, Landlords in Bloomington will have varying lengths of leases, but uh, I know the attention span of my typical client ends after word eight. When they get to page 20, you really need to have somebody like myself or Jennifer who wants to delve that deeply into what you're essentially signing on to. Um, So I always advise students – Read your lease or better yet, come to student legal where we're dorky enough that we'll do that for you for free because you pay for our existence. We can go over every clause, explain what some oftentimes obscure and arcane language means and really give you a sense of what you're getting into. Um, That is going to be – the primary governing thing for the next year as far as your relationship with someone like Steve. And I'll say that if every landlord were like Steve, there would be a lot fewer problems in the world. Okay. Jennifer?
3: Well, you actually took the... Key Words. piece of advice that I was going to give our listeners today, read your lease, that was, that was what I was going to say. So I won't repeat what you said. Um, I will say we work with a slightly different client population than you do, actually a very different client population as we refer all of our students to you guys, um, Indiana Legal Services, we provide free legal assistance uh, to very low-income Hoosiers. Uh, it's a statewide organization, but the Bloomington office works with 14 counties. Um, a, a large portion of our landlord-tenant work is based here in Bloomington just because rents here are, you know, some of the highest rents in the entire region Um, In addition to that, I uh, work with the supervising attorney of IU's uh, Maurer School of Law's Tenant Assistance Project, which provides uh, free same-day assistance to tenants who are being evicted that day at the Justice Building. Um, I guess, you know, we we have a slightly different population. I, I would say Read Your Lease, the number one the biggest most important thing Um, corollary of that is if you're signing the lease with somebody uh, make sure Hmm. That it's somebody that you trust and know well, because if you're signing the lease with somebody else and your roommate just stop, decides to stop paying rent, you can be on the hook for the whole amount, even if you're current on your portion. Um, you know, I, one key issue that we see a lot that I don't know if you see that often is um, when our A lot of our clients get eviction notices in the mail. They freak out, I mean, understandably, and they don't show for their hearings because they think that they just, you know, they get an eviction notice in the mail. It's all over. So they're just going to go to court and get beat up. So why go? Exactly. But... the best way to make sure you do get evicted is to not show up to your court hearings. So if anyone who's listening ever gets an eviction notice, make sure you definitely go. Um, if it's during the semester, um, there will likely be some law students there under my supervision who can talk with you about your options. We can't, uh, the students aren't able to necessarily appear with you in court, um, but they can give you your advice. But, but definitely, if you get an eviction notice, go, and there's often a good chance that you can beat it.
1: hmm Well, Steve, from your perspective, you know, when you have people coming to you, what's the best advice you could give?
4: Sure. I I think, uh, from my perspective, the the reputation of the landlord, of that company, um, is really critical. And that can be very hard in our community where so many people transition in and out. And in one sense, you know, you can reinvent yourself every year uh, as a local business person, um, or you can hide past... uh, 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 problems because every year you have this captive new audience of people who may not know know much about Bloomington or you. But I think the reputation of the landlord is critical, and there are several sources to get that kind of information. The other thing is um, the, the, the actual um, physical uh, home or apartment a person is looking at is to see the actual property. Um, in our case, we do uh, quite a Quite a bit of leasing through um, the Internet, and, and people do rent properties sight unseen. But that is a real bone of contention that um, a less than scrupulous landlord might kind of bait and switch, mm-hmm. show you a model. Mm-hmm. And then when the day you're moving in, it's not what you expected or not, not what you thought you were getting. So to see the actual home or apartment and to um, ask questions of peers and there are other sources, mm-hmm. student legal services would, would um, not recommend or, or – But I think they would give information about landlords that they have to interact with constantly and i think that they would indicate that that's probably not what they would uh, suggest you do. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say don't fill the holes in the walls with toothpaste. Well, <laughs> that's i guess that's a different it improve, maybe that's, that's a smell a great deal if you do that.
5: Right.
1: We're talking about landlord tenant issues today. If you have a question or comment, phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Uh, join the live chat at uh, w f i u dot org slash noon edition or follow us on twitter at noon edition
0: uh, happily i've Been a homeowner for a while now, but I, you know, I rented several places as a younger person. Um, What standard now, if there is such a thing um, for leasing, is it? I remember you had to come up with first and last, and sometimes a damage deposit in front of that. In addition to that, and it ended up being quite a lot of money. um, And I'm just wondered how that is if the market has changed at all in the in the several years since I've been a renter.
4: Well, in in our case, uh, as a landlord. In our properties, we ask for a security deposit, and and in our community, uh, uh, as we know, we have a lot of student traffic. A lot of people are choosing their rental property way in advance of their actual move-in date, and so that's significant when we talk about money. Um, it may be February that um, a person is looking and rents an apartment that they're not going to move into until the following August, mm-hmm. you know, six months early. In our case, we ask for half of the security deposit at the time you sign that lease with us in February, and then the other half um, the day you move in, um, along with the rent that is due for that month or the partial month. If you moved in on August Mm -hmm. 15th, you'd be paying for half a month's rent. Mm -hmm. Um, That is not the same as other landlords. Some charge, as you suggested, I still know and and hear that some people charge first and last month's rent. So it can be quite a a, a big financial burden. Mm
5: -hmm.
2: The deposit is not a creature of the law. It is the creature of the lease that you choose to sign. There are a few landlords who go without deposits, um, frankly, student legal would have a lot less business if the deposit were not the pork chop that it is. And I will say that some non-Steve Bodie landlords in town are like Doberman's going after that pork chop. And every fall, we get to do the song and dance over trying to get students back their deposits that landlords will wrongly apply towards redecorating, uh, Mm. refurbishing. Your deposit is to cover what you damage. Things wear out. Things run out of useful life. Landlords are not allowed to keep deposits based on that. They are to keep deposits for if you choose to play cornhole in your toilet, you choose to make a fire pit in your living room. It is not to cover – the place needs painting every five years. And if every landlord uh, would actually treat the deposit as such, I might be out of business. It would be a very happy go-out-of-business sale. It's student legal, but most will try to overreach. And the fact is with the student clientele, students will migrate to London, Paris, Chicago, mm-hmm. and they will let the deposit go. And so it's important to me to let people know that some of us are, you know,
0: paying uh, attention, obsessive,
2: compulsive enough <laughs> to want to get their deposit back. Um, so the deposit is entirely what you agree to with your landlord. You can negotiate it, but I'll yeah. say that landlords in this town want what they want, and they will usually get it.
0: Some idea of what an average or or, or maybe even the range of deposits that you've seen um, requested.
2: I, I will usually see one month's rent be the standard. Um, some will go a little bit less because it is a marketing tool to say you have to put down less money up front or places that rent predominantly to graduate students. will sometimes say we require a lower deposit because we think you're less inclined to do the cornhole in the toilet bit. Um, But I think one month's rent is is pretty standard. Um, And I just advise students to not forget that. And when you move in – You need to do a full survey of the condition of your apartment. I want you to take pictures. I want you to use your iPhone for something other than texting and give me a 360 video of that apartment. So when 364 days pass and your landlord says you trashed the place and you tell me it was better than when you moved in, I have some proof of that, then I'm going to tap dance down to the courthouse and work on your case. Mm
3: -hmm. Excellent.
2: Jennifer? uh, Yeah,
3: I mean – we get a lot of clients as as you do who are concerned about getting their deposit back um and I would say that almost nobody that that comes to us do very few people do what you've suggested that they oh do. I know. Um, and it's extremely difficult for us to work with people who haven't done that at their damages hearing because it's a their word against your word mm-hmm. situation and it just it, it usually doesn't end well for our clients. Um, one other thing I would like to add is a lot of what we do is we advise our we advise our clients on the steps their landlords are actually required under Indiana law to, to take before they're entitled to keep their deposit back. There, there's some statutory requirements they have to abide by in order to be entitled to keep it. It's not just you trash the place, they have to communicate to them within a certain amount of time exactly what was wrong with the unit. And a lot of our clients don't, I mean, they don't know that, they don't understand that. And not all of our um, landlords, I mean, our landlords don't typically, they're, they're not always renting to IU students. We're working, I think, with a different oftentimes group of landlords, mm-hmm. a, lo- um, a lot of mobile home owners um, and, and apartments in outlying communities, um, and they're not always as savvy about what um, the rules are in keeping de- mm-hmm. deposits. So...
1: <laughs> We have a couple phone calls, so let's go to uh, the phones first, and Ann is first up. Ann? Hi. Hi, go ahead.
6: Um, I had a question about the length of time a landlord has to respond to requests um, for repairs to be made. We moved into a unit that wasn't turned over when the previous tenant left, and I've um, had emails back and forth with the, the landlord, and she has not addressed many of the issues, including you know, new locks that were placed on the doors. We still don't have keys to it. Okay. Oh. Um is there a length of time? Yeah, I contacted hand and they said several weeks, but it's kind of ambiguous. So
2: I and this is Randy Frickberg. Um the law is not as clear as lawyers would like it to be. Your mm-hmm. landlord has a reasonable amount of time yes. to correct deficiencies. Mm-hmm. I would never say several weeks. Mm-hmm. And I would say if it's something that affects the health and safety, that you're entitled to have that corrected almost immediately. Something mm-hmm. like having a door that locks mm-hmm. is covered in the Bloomington Housing Code. Right. And you're entitled to have the security of that. And yeah. I, if you're an IU student, Talk to me sometime.
6: We we have a deadbolt that locks, but the, okay. the knob key doesn't. But that's a specific thing. But also, like, the front steps are, are, I would consider hazardous. So is there, like, a code for, you know, rise over run? It's an old, you know, building. They're limestone steps. Right. So, I mean... Hazardous and safe are, are kind of vague terms.
2: Right, but that's why you have lawyers. Um, mm-hmm. No, the, the housing code says your place has to be safe, and mm-hmm. the state law says that things have to be fixed in a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. That obviously is up that's to a judge if need be, but right. I am happy to, for IU students, I'm happy to say that reasonable is a hell of a lot faster than several weeks, no slight okay. to hand, who is a great uh, organization. Yes,
0: they are very helpful. And kudos to you, Ann, for knowing about Rise Over Run.
2: Yeah, oh, I didn't yeah, know that no either. Problem. Yeah.
6: Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. very I appreciate the uh, the topic. And okay. I, I especially uh, like the comment about taking pictures when you move in. I wish I had heard that on our move-in date, but um, that's a, a good thing to, to tell And people.
2: there's still time. If it's early yeah. after your move-in date, get that yeah. uh, iPhone out and I make will. some use of it.
6: I'm headed there now. Excellent. So <laughs> <much>. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your
1: help. All right. Thanks, Good Anne. luck, Anne. alright eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. 877 855-0811-877-285-9348. Uh, the live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Camilla is next. Camilla? Let's see. Yeah, Camilla, go ahead. Hello. Hi.
5: The case concerns a uh, divided house that rental with uh, a tenant who would like to renew the lease Uh perhaps several times and the problem occurs outdoors uh, over time uh, mowing practices leave the grounds uh, bare which causes dust uh, soil erodes and even uh, the roots of old trees are exposed I understand that complaints about uh, rental properties cannot be made anonymously so what can be done to correct the uh, mowing, uh, get the yard in a less uh, vulnerable to erosion condition.
1: So this is the the landlord is doing the maintenance on the property, the mowing yeah, and whatnot? Yeah.
0: That's and we're okay.
3: scalping it?
1: Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah.
3: Okay. Jennifer? Um, well, I, I just have sort of a follow-up question. Are you the—do you live there? Are you uh-huh. a neighbor? Okay, okay. I, I wasn't sure um from your question if you were a concerned neighbor or if so you you're the tenant. That's right. Okay. So um I guess I you mean know, have you have you spoken with the landlord? I mean, have you expressed your concerns to the landlord? Yeah, at all?
5: it hasn't been uh possible to obtain a change that way.
3: Okay,
2: my knowledge of the housing code, Camilla, is that your landlord has to keep your yard in in reasonable graded shape so that your, so that erosion uh, doesn't essentially cause what's called waste to the property if it's more of an aesthetic thing, that is going to have to be something you you cover you know in a reasonable discussion with your landlord but if it is so severe um, that essentially your yard is is drifting away, I think that you would i, I I think that a lawyer would be able to say that that's in violation of the housing code.
5: Thank you. I'll uh, be able to follow up on that
1: then. Excellent. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot for the call.
0: Okay. And we've had um, Lisa Abbott from the Housing and Neighborhood Development Department. She's the director, um, has written in. And she's um, if you're online following us at Indiana, Indiana Public Media dot org slash noon edition, um, you can get the link. Um, But in the meantime, I'm going to read what she wrote to us. Um, Well, I am, except it just moved. All right, let's try it again. (laughs) Uh, To file a complaint, a citizen of Bloomington can, can be a tenant, landlord, or interested citizen, can call the HAND office at 349-3420 and request a complete inspection. All rental complaints must be signed by the person issuing the complaint. We will ask if the landlord or tenant has been contacted and if they have had a reasonable amount of time to respond to the concern. If they have, then we will schedule a complaint inspection. We will call the landlord or tenant and let them know that we have scheduled a complaint inspection for x day at x time. If we find the complaint to be valid, we will issue a report to the appropriate party and give them a compliance deadline. The dead line will depend on what we find. The landlord-tenant, landlord or tenant, will contact HAND to schedule a reinspection once the issue has been resolved within the compliance period. If they do not comply within the compliance period, we will refer them to the legal department for action. Most of the time, it is complied within the compliance period. And that, again, is from Housing and Neighborhood Development Director Lisa Abbott.
2: And I would just say Lisa is a wonderful person and HAND is an outstanding office and a resource that too few people know about. And I would just give a shout out to Lisa Abbott, who's doing wonderful work in trying to upgrade the safety of, you know, what is primarily student housing by requiring with the city considering a requirement of hardwired smoke detectors. And I know that the landlords have a paid lobby, the Apartment Association, who is opposing that. Um, We're only seven, eight months removed from Renee Orne, who died at Terra Trace in a tragedy that I think would have been prevented had that ordinance been in place and followed. Um, I really wish IU students, and especially their parents, would become a little more energized about an effort to protect them from one of the more glaring hazards that students can have to deal with, where they would have a smoke alarm that's actually wired into the power supply, Mm -hmm. giving them much more protection if if a fire broke out and alerted everyone. I'd applaud mr zaltzberg from last october 13th when his paper supported that i think they've backed off on it a little bit considering costs um i think there's a family of renee warren and gary who would say that a little bit of cost is certainly worthwhile uh when you consider the potential consequences for that so thanks to lisa abbott and hand for taking some bullets on that from a an organized and well-funded uh lobby um and I hope that i u students will try to counteract that in the next two meetings that we're going to have
1: what's the uh, what's the current um, ordinance for Smoke detectors in apartments. You have to have a certain number of smoke
2: detectors, and they need it's it's okay for them to be battery operated, which makes them very easily disabled. And a lot of your readers, Bob, who post anonymously, seem to think that you should have the death penalty for the crime that everyone has committed—taking the battery out of your smoke detector. Uh, a lot of areas, Madison, Wisconsin, Saint Paul, Minnesota, have passed laws. That require it to be wired in. It protects people. It protects people from themselves, essentially, when they burn their pizza, which I have done, or burned, you know, a hard-boiled egg, which I have done, from taking out the smoke detector battery, not replacing it, and then dying, essentially. And that's what happened on October first.
0: So we don't now have hardwire smoke detector requirements. That's
2: not legally required. Some places do it, and hallelujah for those who do. But that is not the law. We're going to have a meeting, I think, on September. 14th or 19th, and then October 2nd, uh, I went to the first one. The landlords were out in force, and the people supporting that ordinance were few and far between. I, I wish that IU students, and especially their parents, uh, would take up that cause, um, because it's a very easy, albeit
4: expensive, way to ensure greater safety. Mm-hmm. Steve? Oh, I, I was just going to add that, um, in fact, um, the smoke detector ordinance that um, laws that apply to rental properties... Um, I, I'm no code expert, but basically, when you build a property, you have to meet the current electrical code. So it's not the case that all apartments, or probably even the majority of apartments in our community, only have a uh, battery-operated smoke detector. In fact, almost uh, all of our 625 rental properties that I own have hardwired, interconnected, with a battery backup, smoke detectors. And you will find that to be the case in any property that was built since that code changed. Um, And I I don't know the date, but it's like uh, mid-'80s. So older properties are the ones that would be mostly affected. Um, An older property, older than, say, 1985, very likely has... Smoke detectors, um, if it's a, a registered rental property in Bloomington, and it's been inspected, they've insisted that you have smoke detectors, which is appropriate, and they are battery only. Um, they are not hardwired. And it's true that you know, our customers routinely take the batteries out, and it's true that as landlords, quality landlords, we fight that all the time. We find them out we put them back. We communicate with our customers. We sometimes will fine them, or you know, try to discourage that through other means. And um, routinely, we find them taken down. And, and in fact, um, even if they are hardwired, meaning they have electric uh, power to them, if you take the battery out, they still work. That is true, and that is is helpful. Um, But they still come off the wall very easily. And and so you just unplug them. And that is what we find all the time, Randy, is that our customers have burnt their toast and taken the smoke detectors down. And so taking them down, taking the battery out, they are useless. And it is not always the landlord who's evil in that scenario. Um, Our customers take them down and take the batteries out, and and there's very little I could do except be there 24 hours a day to put them back.
1: We're going to, we have a phone call, but we're going to wait until after the uh, break. We have to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
7: This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Dune Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features?
1: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from The Herald Times along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're talking about rental issues with three guests in the studio, Student Legal Services Director Randy Frickberg, Indiana Legal Services and Tenant Assistance Project Attorney Jennifer Pruzak, and Steve Bodie, owner of Renaissance Rentals. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811. Or 877-285-9348 You can join the live chat as some people have done by going to WFIU dot org slash noon edition. So um yeah, we have a phone call. Let's go first to Jack. Jack?
8: Good afternoon. Um I have a quick question. Uh is the landlord responsible for storing items left behind after a resident moved out?
0: Oh that's a good question. Steve, you are the expert on that.
4: Huh? <laughs> well, I am sandwiched between two attorneys. so I'm not <laughs> sure about
2: this.
4: Shut up, Steve. <laughs> um, there was a recent law change, John, a, a few years ago that I am um, sure the attorneys next to me are, will, will expound on, but it does give the landlord the right to deem property abandoned if you move out of the, the rental property and turn over the keys and leave. If you do that and leave property trash, um, I believe it's it's uh generally that the landlord is able to deem that abandoned and do what they wish with it including throw it away.
2: I think Steve's right. Um Jack, if if it's reasonably apparent that you've moved out, meaning your belongings are all gone, your mail piled up, or what have you, your landlord can kind of do what he will with that. Um, If if you haven't abandoned, but you leave property behind, your landlord, in short, has to store that for a period of time, uh, and you can claim it through a a timetable that's set forth in the law.
8: Okay. um, I I bring it up. I'm I'm a maintenance supervisor, and, um, you know, with this, everybody and turning over these apartments. A lot of people have been leaving items behind and,
2: has it been good stuff, Jack?
8: <laughs> oh well sometimes it's like birth certificates or oh. baby pictures, you know, and, oh, and uh,
2: you're still allowed to be a nice guy, Jack, and let somebody know sure, if the sure. management has the address. I mean that's that's just being a good guy.
8: Yeah, well absolutely. But but, but then again, um, oh sometimes it's large furniture and sure. and we store it for a certain amount of time. We store actually it's our policy store it for thirty days and um, uh, we would charge a fee if anybody came back to reclaim the property, uh, but nobody has ever reclaimed that property. And I didn't know if it was uh, regional law, state law, nationwide
2: law. It's state law, and I'm not entirely surprised that people have left furniture behind.
8: Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. a question? Thank you very much.
2: All right, Thank you, Jack. Jack. Thanks a lot for Somebody's
0: mother somewhere is pulling her hair out going, you mean you left your birth certificate? Why right. are you
2: not? I thought you were going to say my yeah. oak armoire. <laughs> yeah.
0: <Right>. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, in a sort of a follow-up... Uh, <laughs> to that we have had a question that came in uh online and it says if a tenant breaks a lease agreement by moving out several months prior to the end of the lease can the landlord keep the security deposit to help offset the loss in monthly rental income
4: I think the answer to that's yes. If you've, as we've talked about earlier, if you sign a lease, it's it's uh, generally in Bloomington. These are term contracts. They start one day and they end another day, and you're responsible. In our, in our example, maybe the rent's five hundred dollars a month. You're responsible to pay that every month, including the months that you took off and left early. Um, that may not seem fair or appropriate but as randy mentioned in his example if you sign the contract for $40,000 you you're obligated you're the to pay it. I,
3: I, I will add one additional thing um, if i mean the, the landlord has a duty to mitigate their losses um, and use their best efforts to re-rent the unit Absolutely. if they're able to turn around and re-rent it the next month they cannot
4: you know, they can't right, collect but How your can you right. tell?
3: For I guess I
0: guess if everybody's all their belongings are gone.
4: Well, the, the way it, it, it's not always um, easy. Um, if, if, if a customer leaves a note and the keys and tells you, "I'm I'm sorry, but I'm taking off and I don't have any money." You know. I mean, you were just notified that the the unit is abandoned. It's vacant. Go do your thing, which Jennifer is absolutely right. We have an obligation as landlords to mitigate damages, which means try to re-rent the apartment as Mm -hmm. soon as possible. And when and if you do, I can't double dip. I can't Mm -hmm. charge Randy rent and uh, when he's left and charge Jennifer, even though she just moved in. Um, but what happens, unfortunately, is, is usually a little, a little trickier than that. Um, you don't know that somebody has left, and you usually don't know until it's rent collection time if that's monthly for you, and you don't get rent, and so you, you don't get rent, and you send a letter and email and other communications, you get no response, prudent landlord should go knock on the door, and then eventually open the door, and you know there's one crumb in the corner, and there's no rent, and there's no communication you're pretty pretty confident that that unit's been abandoned. Now you take it over, turn over the apartment, get it ready for a new person, market it to try to lease it to a new mm-hmm. person, and you can't do nothing and expect to collect rent from your ex, now ex-tenant for the rest of the year. Absolutely.
2: I'd, I'd just add that that's one of the most frequent questions I get, how can I break my lease? And my answer is your lease is titanium. It, it, By and large, you can't break it. You are on the hook for what you agreed to pay. Jennifer's right on the landlord's obligation to try to find another tenant. But there is no break your lease. And I have people who say, I flunked out. Uh, I'm moving abroad. You can be hard for your landlord to find, but your landlord most of the time will track you down and you will not only forsake your deposit, you will keep paying your rent until your lease is up.
0: Yes. Okay, which leads us to the topic of subletting. Uh, some people, under those circumstances, they flunk out. They need to find somebody then who will move in and and pay their rent, if, since they won't be there living there. What are the common rules about that? Um, does do most landlords um, allow subleases, or how does that work? I think I think
4: most do. Um, our lease has a clause that says we won't unreasonably. Withhold the the option for you to sublease your apartment, um, but that's a term that we expressly put in the lease. And I'm, I'm I believe in Indiana you can contract anything in or out. So you, that needs to be a clause in the lease, as Randy and Jennifer talked about. You need to look at that on the up on the front end, but. Um, Yes, then, then our customers are able to find someone else who would be as qualified or more qualified than themselves, and that's an important little phrase, they can't bring in Jack the Ripper and then take off to go to Europe. That won't work. Um, so we, in our case, we still want to um, qualify this applicant, this prospective tenant, Uh and make sure they are also qualified to move in. And then there's a little process in our case, and you sign a sublease form, and that person who then took off and went to Europe is still obligated. That's what sublease, by definition, my definition
2: you are still an insurer much like when you move in you are an insurance policy for your roommates who dash off or don't pay their rent you're very much entering into a you know de facto marriage with your roommates uh to pay the bills and if your roommates run out on you and you're still in bloomington guess who's paying the entire rent it's you and on subleasing A lot of people think or a lot of students think when they get the sublease signed, that they somehow have eliminated themselves from the equation. You have not. You are still on the hook. Your wallet is still very much in play. I had a sublease case this morning where a student subleased to somebody who then went to jail on a felony and Uh we had to tell him the very bit of bad news that he would pay while somebody was doing time. Um, Steve's right on the landlords will usually give you reasonable consent. Landlords will also usually charge you a tax, uh, a fee to sublease, even when I not every landlord is as conscientious as Steve. I think that fee goes right into their pocket as just one more revenue stream that student tenants provide.
0: Um, that kind of leads to the question of uh, occupancy rules. I know, uh, is, and I'm, I could have this wrong, so you guys feel free to straighten me out on this, but Isn't it uh, three unrelated adults in a house, yes, or or would Steve smiling?
4: (laughs) Yes, in in a rental property, our current housing code um, dictates that no more than three unrelated adults, and it defines what related means in this case, um, may live in a rental property, not a a home or a house, a rental property. So... um,
0: could be an apartment, could be any – well, or a my house.
4: suggestion is you could have a commune and have a lot of unrelated adults potentially, but not if it's a rental property.
8: Mm-hmm.
4: But, um, so that is to, in theory, protect uh, older neighborhoods where we've got bigger houses. Um, that is becoming less and less prevalent, I would suspect, as more apartments have been built mm-hmm. and less of the old homes – converted into six-bedroom party mansions. Mm -hmm. But in in that case, some of those were grandfathered in and allowed to continue the practice of renting that old home. But generally speaking, new properties um, have to follow that rule unless they have an exception. There are new four-bedroom units being built that are granted um, the ability to rent to more than three unrelated adults.
0: So the Roche Motel lives on...
4: I guess so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: This is a a different topic entirely, but I'm wondering, um, Jennifer, do you recommend to your clients, and I I know that you deal with a lower income population, so it may be um, more of an issue, but um, do you recommend that they purchase renter's insurance, and is that effective if people do choose to
3: purchase that? I think everybody should purchase renter's insurance. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that it's pro- I mean my experience has been that that's pretty darn low on mm-hmm. the list of my clients priorities. Mm-hmm. I mean, I work with a lot of individuals who are in subsidized housing, a lot of people who um have section 8 vouchers to help pay the rent and they're worried about I mean everybody yes should buy renters insurance. I It's would, just lower on their it's just not priority list something and that's understandable. That they can sure, right
2: often, after food. Right.
3: Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. Right. Well, okay, what about do – you, do you recommend that to students Absolutely. who come to see you? You say buy renter's
2: insurance. Sure. Renter's insurance is ridiculously cheap. Yes. And with the – I mean, students come in with technology and price tags on items that are far beyond what I could even dream of in 1992. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. If you're paying $15 a month, you, you get a rider on your, your parents' homeowner's insurance to cover your rental goods. That's going to give you some measure of protection in the event of fire, flood, sometimes theft. Right. Um yeah, with, with people who come in with their 58-inch flat screens and their top-of-the-line computers and their iPhones, uh, 15 bucks a month is going to be a ridiculously
4: good investment for most IU students. And, and the, the hard part of that is in, in a rental situation, um, if the landlord's not negligent, if they don't do something terrible but um, water pours into to mm-hmm. someone's apartment, um, our insurance doesn't cover my tenant's property. Or if there is a heaven forbid there is a fire and, and your mm-hmm. possessions are lost, um, our insurance does not and will not cover your property. So it is incumbent upon our customers to to insure their own personal goods.
0: Mm -hmm. So how does this get communicated? I mean, this is really important information, I think, especially you you guys both make the excellent point that there's so much expensive electronics in in most of these apartments and houses now that kids are renting. Um, Is that something that there's an an effort at IU to let people know that it's an important thing to do? Or is it all on your shoulders?
2: The effort uh, of IU to deal with off-campus housing is Randy Frickberg and his three other lawyers and 20 interns at student (laughs) legal services. We certainly recommend it. um, And when I do outreach at orientation, I'll certainly recommend that then. The fact is, things like that are not usually high on the list of someone turning cartwheels into their off-campus apartment. I mean, they're moving in the lava lamps and the kegerators. That dates me a little bit. uh, (laughs) So, uh, it's not usually, how can I protect my goods? Um, And frankly, when we see it come up, it's oftentimes the bad situation situation where we have to give them a well, you could have done this because something bad happened, but now for the i'm sure we have forty four thousand student listeners now based on me tweeting at iU student legal on Twitter <laughs> um, I would say get some renter's insurance, ask mom and dad to talk to their insurance agent it's cheap,
4: and it will save you a uh, a hurricane of heartache later on in, in our case our lease we we've tried to rewrite it I rewrote it um in english um so that- <laughs> Well, I mean, what are you saying? Well, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm saying I couldn't understand the terms and stuff, so I got them interpreted and I wrote it in English, and so that our customers can read it, so that um, my coworkers, employees can explain it because they can read. Um, but but we put that information that that we don't cover your property, we can't reimburse you, and we you, we recommend you get renter's insurance. We don't require it, but we recommend it. We put that in the lease. But as Randy and Jennifer have said, um, when you're signing a lease, you're excited about this future apartment. When you're when you're moving in and you should do this quality move-in inspection, you're excited about the apartment or it's 100 degrees and your parents are there and you want them to move stuff in and get the heck out. The kigger So a kicker, right? uh, <laughs> So um, things don't always get communicated. And, and in our case, there are many, many things to share with this new customer and and demand, you know, Greatly encouraging them to do something that's private that they choose or don't choose is, is really up to them. And that, that can be a hard lesson.
1: All right. For our 44,000 listeners out there who are IU students that have a question about how to uh, work with your landlord, uh, please give us a call, 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. That's outside of the Bloomington area, so that's for the other 100,000 or so listeners that aren't students. And uh, you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition.
0: What advice do you give? Would you give if you had the opportunity? Would you give parents who are um, exploring with their uh, college students off-campus housing? They may have romanticized their own grimy garret of their youth, and, and so aren't really thinking in terms of hardwired uh, smoke detectors and renter's insurance. What, what other things would you recommend that parents uh, be mindful of?
2: I, I think in the uh, in the post spearer Uh, era here in Bloomington, I would want parents to do a real hard look at the safety in the area that their child is going to move into and be able to check on, this is unrelated, uh, the reputation of the landlord, as Steve said earlier. Hand keeps a file on every registered property in Bloomington. You can see if you're asking for the file on a certain address and they pull out multi-volumes that there have been many complaints about the place that you are living. And then the last thing is to understand that though you may think it's charming to live in a crap hole – because you did in college, and Lord knows I did. I paid $150 a month for a bedroom on 2nd Street. Um, You are entitled to safe, sanitary, and habitable housing. Just because you're in school, just because if you're one of Jennifer's clients and you don't have a lot of money, the law still requires that your landlord keep your place safe, secure, sanitary, and habitable. Um, If there's any issue about that not being complied with, You make sure that son or daughter is communicating in writing uh, so things get fixed because the whole notion that I'm poor, I'm in college, I'm supposed to live in garbage is Mm -hmm. not the case. And... Frankly, if if students would take note of that or their parents would take note of that earlier, we could avoid a lot of the lawsuits that we get coming in. And I love
4: having a job, but I'm all for people avoiding lawsuits, too. And I would add that um, when I talk to parents who are are with young people who are looking to rent apartments or or homes here in Bloomington, I get questions about safety or security, And, and I look them in the eye and say that, um, Bloomington is a real town with real crime, and it's it's real here. I mean, it's a wonderful university. It's a great setting. I went to school here. Love it. And it's real. So you have to use normal and proper precautions. Um, we don't guarantee, as as the landlord, I can't guarantee anyone's safety. Mm-hmm. You know, but look at police reports if you're really con- interested, or I'm sure there are ways to track um, where crime happens. I know we, we do that in our mm-hmm. community. Sure. Um, but but I just recommend to the parents that they, that they encourage their uh, son or daughter to be really aware of their surroundings and, and use normal precautions. Mm-hmm. We can't provide security. We do not provide security for them.
3: Mm-hmm. And I, I can't really address the question so much. What I would advise parents of students because we don't work with IU students so much. But I, you know, um, Randy mentioned briefly the fact that uh, a lot of they, they feel like, well, you know, this is what I get. I don't have the right to safe, clean housing. Um, I just would, you know, want, want to reemphasize to anyone who's listening that you do. I mean, my clients won't. I mean, I, I have clients who are living with holes in the floor, um, heat that doesn't work, and they just feel that, well, you know, I, I'm a tenant, I'm on section, I don't really have the right to mm-hmm. something that meets, you know, city code or mm-hmm. that is safe. And that's just not true. So. Right.
0: Everybody, every every dwelling should reach city code. I remember looking about, I don't know, 20 years ago, I was helping a friend look for an apartment here in Bloomington, and um, there were, at least a half a dozen students there at the same moment looking at this half of a older, very much older home. Um, And there was literally a hole in the floor. And every single person was willing to sign on the dotted line that day for that property. I don't think that's really the case around here anymore. Um, I think I'd like to hear from you guys how you've seen the rental market evolve in the last 20 years.
4: I'm smiling because... um, (laughs) um, in In the landlording business, we have uh, the whole <laughs> the whole gambit of customers from ones who will never call us i mean we don 't know who they are practically. Um, we met them when they moved in and then they never call us. The water could be broken and running out the front door, and they still wouldn 't call us. And then, I have customers <laughs> who who know my cell phone and know me by name and call all the time, <laughs> and and, and uh, ask me to do things like come wash their car. You know, I mean, kind of you, you laugh, but that's true. Steve, it's the black Acura outside. <laughs> um, that we, in our case, you know, it's funny. I think this may be. Um, I don't know how accurate this is, but I think the better you do, the more requests you get. I mean, the nicer the property it is, the more requests we get to keep it exactly that way. And and, and I'm proud of that in in our personal case, that we have very, very nice properties. We work very hard to maintain them. We do tenant selection. We screen people before we elect to rent to them. And all that seems to equal a a pretty good result. But um, that is not the case if if it's a terrible, yucky old house. That landlord is not taking care of it, and it's in a whole different category.
2: I think when we've had... kind of higher-end clientele and out-of-state people, they have increased demand for more expensive and pristine granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, Mm -hmm. apartment houses. At the same time, I think the financial reality has created a huge gap between those customers and the very barely-getting-by customers uh, who are at the bottom and renting. I mean, Bloomington rents have gone up with the market, and it can be hard to rent if you are barely getting yourself in college and i use not doing a very good job of keeping costs down there either um so so there is kind of a a, a donut i think um between the
4: the high end and low end mm-hmm. certainly all the new properties that, that are very obvious in, in downtown and in, in other locations all the new rental properties are very much so high end they are very expensive um they, at least they started out very nice Um, in their finishes and things on the inside. And they're they're very, very expensive. Mm
3: -hmm. And and I will just add, um, I mean, I'm pretty new to the area, so I can't really speak to what it was like 20 years ago or even five years ago here. Um, But I will say that as more and more nice things are built, it gets harder and harder for for my clients to Mm -hmm. find things that they can afford. I mean, I would say 90% of our landlord-tenant work is in Bloomington um, just because the presence of the university, the presence of the Mm out-of-state students, come, just the, the relative wealth of this community. community compared to uh, some of the surrounding communities make rents here. Just exorbitant Mm -hmm. for a lot of our clients.
0: A question that came in online um, is about senior citizens. Um, Are senior citizens treated fairly by the rental market? Do you, Steve, do you have many? Uh, I just visited an older person in one of your properties last week.
4: Yeah, it, I may not be typical of a lot of landlords in that we have a whole gambit of housing f- that runs from affordable housing that's set aside for lower-income people to properties that are marketed to students, almost exclusively student, our, our student populations live there. And then we have um, a higher-end property where we have families and professors and other people who are more uh, like homeowners and, and need rental pro- property for various reasons. Um, so we have a whole range of, of folks, and I'm blanking on the question you just no,
0: asked. No, it was just our, our, our senior citizens um, treated, treated fairly fair. in the rental market, and, and well, you know Jennifer may have more experience with yeah. this than you do. I mean,
4: it, it may be that, that, um, that so much property is built for IU students, and it's not just senior citizens. It's anybody who doesn't fit that category of, of having roommates who each have a source of income. It may be a parents' income, but when you have multiple people who each have an income, that's very different than a traditional family or, or a single parent with children who has one income or less.
3: I mean, I guess I'm not. I've not seen any active discrimination. I mean, I'm not sure if that's what the person. Did the person write in? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's yeah. what the person was getting at. I mean, that's not to say that it doesn't exist. I'm not <laughs> omniscient, but I haven't seen that in my work. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think to the extent that some seniors might be on the lower end of the income scale because they're on a fixed income, um, things can be harder for them here because of the nature of the rental market. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I don't know of anything specific.
0: to Mm -hmm.
4: If somebody with as gray a hair as mine walked in and wanted to rent an apartment at one of our predominantly student complexes, I, I think... You know, we're all human they might get some stares from our leasing well i'd agents. look them up on
0: the re- some yeah, regi- right. yeah criminal registry <laughs> and make sure yeah, they you know, weren't weird
4: <laughs> they wouldn't fit the the uh the typical um profile of of who who we normally are leasing to and who we are marketing to but We mentioned them. We had a 92 year old lady who was quite a pistol. living in a student property, and and she wasn't grandmotherly though. She wasn't particularly nice to everyone. (laughs) My grandfather loves living at the villas, Um, but all that I would say to that
2: is Bloomington and Indiana is very different than a lot of other areas, and it's hard to convince students of this. We don't have rent control. We don't have Mm -hmm. other protections that a lot of metropolitan areas have. Indiana is very uh, wild, wild west. You you get what you can pay for, uh, but there are not a lot of kind of institutional constructs to keep things, uh, keep rents low or to really enhance tenant power in this town. That's why uh, I get a little vehement probably over here on this end of the table as far as advocating for students because, you know, the Jennifer Prusak's and the Randy Frickberg's of the world are really one of the only checks against some of the forces that that can really Hurt uh, tenants
1: we have less than a minute to go, and I want it, I know you 've talked about how it 's really important to read the lease, but uh, Randy and Jennifer, I mean when people what just if you can give me a very quickly like what 's something that people often overlook that is in a lease that you know you know they come to you time and time again with this problem very quickly uh,
3: one thing that i we late fees <laughs> uh-huh. oh, okay. um, uh-huh. they 're often in the lease i mean they 're always. In the lease, um, but it's often not the first thing, um, mm-hmm. and so our tenants are being evicted, and they admit they owe some back rent. They don't have a defense to the eviction, but they're confused as to why there's like a couple hundred extra
1: dollars tacked onto it.
4: So those are late fees. The, okay. I the mean, most that's, the most very important quick thing quick. that I see is um, multiple occupancy. When you have two or more people, they are partners and they, they mm-hmm. are responsible for each other's actions. Okay.
2: Read your lease, take pictures, <laughs> okay. and document things in writing. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> we are out of time.
1: Thank you very much to Randy Frickberg, uh, Jennifer Pro- Prusak, and Steve Bodie For Mary Catherine Carmichael, Gre- producers Gretchen Frazee and Julie Raw, and engineer Mike Bashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.